Have you ever seen the movie Up? Yes. Excellent. Kids, maybe you have seen the movie Up. Maybe you've watched it in these school holidays. It's a, a classic from Pixar. And it's a classic for a lot of reasons, the animation, the music, especially the characters. Perhaps one of my favorite characters from the movie Up is, that is fine, Noah. Perhaps one of my favorite characters from the movie Up is Doug the dog. This photo of Doug on the screen, he is an affectionate, loyal, lovable golden retriever. Doug is also easily distracted. So Doug has a collar that enables him to speak, and he can have conversation with others. But what you see happening is Doug is talking to someone, and then if a squirrel kind of enters into his peripheral vision, he cannot help but fixate on it. So Doug will be talking to someone, it'll be squirrel. He'll be talking to someone again, squirrel. Doug is easily distracted. Now, it's kind of funny when you watch the movie, if you've seen it, but the truth is, if you really think about it, we can all be a little bit like Doug. We can all be easily distracted. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you've seen their eyes glance down and they look at their phone? Have you ever been in a meeting at work and you can see someone across the table from you not paying attention? And they think they're being discreet, looking at their phone under the table, but everyone knows what they're doing. Have you ever seen in a restaurant two people sitting across from each other, but they're not actually looking at each other, they're both looking at their phones? Have you ever been to a movie and you've seen someone not paying attention to the big screen, but paying attention to the little screen in front of them? Have you ever been in church during the sermon? None of you would do that here. And if you are, I just assume that you're reading your Bible. <laughs> now, maybe there's someone in those scenarios, maybe it's not someone else, maybe it's you. I know it's certainly been me on occasions. In fact, I spend a lot of time at the playground these days. I've got three small kids and they love to go to the park. And when we go to the playground, I'll always do my best to, to play with them, to push them on the swings and chase them around and have fun. But after a little while, I kind of slowly edge my way to the side of the playground and sit down and let them do their thing and pull out my phone and read the news, reply to emails, go on social media. And if I look up and look around, I'm definitely not the only parent that is doing that. Now, what's the problem in all those scenarios? It's that we are distracted. We're not present in the conversation or at the meeting or at the meal or at the movie. We're not present with our children. Like Doug, we're easily distracted. And this is a problem not just for our relationships, not just for our career, not just for our parenting, this is a problem for our faith as well. This is an issue when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Here's the way that one author named John Ortberg puts it. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied 
that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. He's saying for most of us, the great danger is not that we're going to wake up one day and we'll randomly say, well, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. He's saying the great danger is that we'll wake up most days and we'll be driven by the busyness of life. We'll be distracted by the banality of social media and we'll be dragged away by the priorities of the world. And slowly but surely, Jesus will get pushed to the margins and we'll begin to skim our faith rather than actually live it. I wonder if you can identify with this. I know I certainly can. If I'm honest, the last few months have been busy. Busy at home, busy at work. And I feel like I've been skimming in my relationship with Jesus. And so I thought as we come to the halfway point of the year, it might be a good time for us to slow down and to reflect, to take our spiritual temperature, to ask ourselves, am I distracted? Am I skimming? And if I am, what can I do about it? Now, to explore this question, we're going to turn our attention to a story that we find in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 10. It's a really well-known story. It's the story of Jesus' visit to two sisters named Mary and Martha. If you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard it. It's also a very important story because it has some challenging lessons for you and for me. So let's turn our attention to Luke chapter 10. You can follow along in your Bible in front of you or you can follow along on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Jesus is on the road with his disciples and they come to a village named Bethany. Now we're not told in Luke 10 that this village was Bethany, but we know that this is where Mary and Martha lived. We know this from John chapter 11 when Jesus raised their brother, brother Lazarus from the dead. And we know that Jesus loved this family that they had a special place in his heart. In fact, when news of Lazarus' illness was brought to Jesus, this is what was said to him. Lord, the one you love is ill. Jesus knew this family and he loved this family. And perhaps this explains the shift from the plural to the singular in verse 38. Did you catch it? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. It seems as if Jesus made a special visit to this family. And this family opened their home to him. They welcomed him in. Now, we're not told if Lazarus was home at this point. The focus in this story is on the two sisters, Mary and Martha. The focus is on how they respond when Jesus comes into their home. Now, Martha... She does what many of us would probably do. She gets up and she gets busy. She starts to cook and to clean. In fact, she is so run off her feet getting everything ready. We read in verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, this is totally understandable. I mean, Jesus, Martha knew that Jesus was special. 
She knew that he was a great teacher. She wanted to make it special for him. If you had an important person come over, you would probably pull out the special cutlery. You know, the cutlery that only gets pulled out when special people come over. You'd probably make a nice meal. You'd probably want everything to be clean and tidy. What Martha is doing here is not wrong. It's understandable. It's even good. She's serving Jesus. She wants it to be special for Jesus. This is a good thing. But here's the truth we're going to learn today. Even good things can distract us from the main thing. That's what we read in verse 40. Martha was distracted. While she was busy doing lots of good things, she had neglected the one thing which was better. And that's what Mary was doing. Mary, the other sister, when Jesus comes, she doesn't get up and get busy. She actually sits down at Jesus' feet. Look at verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, there's even something more significant here about this imagery of sitting at someone's feet. It actually means to be someone's disciple, to study with them, to learn from them. We read in Acts 22 that Paul studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Mary is assuming the posture and the position of a disciple. And this, in that day, was not normally a position occupied by a woman. Mary is is crossing some boundaries here. But notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke her, and Mary doesn't shrink back. She knew that Jesus was special. She knew that this was an opportunity she didn't want to miss out on. And so she stops, she sits down, and she listens to Jesus. Now put yourself in Martha's shoes for just a moment. Jesus has arrived, you've gotten busy getting everything ready, and your sister sits down at Jesus' feet. She is probably thinking, what is she doing? She can't sit there. She doesn't belong there. She should be up helping me. Why do I have to do everything by myself? You can imagine, Martha probably tried to get Mary's attention. Maybe she coughed a little loudly. Maybe she sighed deeply, put her hands on her hips, rolled her eyes, all the usual tactics that we use, but none of it worked. Nothing made Mary get up and help her. So Martha went right to the top. Martha complained directly to Jesus. In fact, she told Jesus what to do. Look at verse 40. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister, not Mary, my good-for-nothing sister, has left me to do the work by myself? Here we go. Tell her to help me. Martha is worked up. And you know, a sign that your spiritual tank may be running on empty a sign that you may be busy with many things, but you've neglected the the main thing. It's that you get easily frustrated with others. It's that you feel like no one else is doing as much as you are. It might even be that you get frustrated with the Lord. 
don't you care? Here's what Ray Orton says. He says, are you frustrated with others who don't seem to be carrying their weight while you are busting it? Whenever self-pity creeps into our hearts as the overflow of a depleted soul, we get cranky, not only with the lazy slackers all around us, which can seem like practically everybody, but we can even cast doubt on the love of Jesus himself. Lord, do you not care? Healthy souls don't feel that and don't say that. Now, Martha probably expected Jesus to correct Mary, to say, yeah, Jesus said, what are you doing there, Mary? You can't sit there. Get up and go help your sister. Instead, Jesus turns his attention to Martha and he says very tenderly and very gently to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha is worked up about many things and the many things have distracted her from the main thing. The one thing that Mary has chosen, to sit and to listen to Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is less important than that. Now, does this mean that we should all quit our jobs? That we should all move up to a monastery in the mountains? Should we do away with the church rosters and stop serving and, and just spend all of our days reading and reflecting? Now that I say it out loud, sounds kind of good. I mean, is this story in the Bible to teach us that a quiet, contemplative life is better than an active life of service and sacrifice? Now, we know that the answer is no, because the story that is immediately before this one in Luke's gospel, right before it, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know the story in the Bible where the, the Samaritan shows mercy to the man in need, helps him out sacrificially? What does Jesus say at the end of that story? He says, go and do likewise. Go and serve and love and sacrifice. I mean, even in Romans 12, the list of spiritual gifts right alongside teaching and, and, and leading and generosity is the gift of service. It's not a spiritual gift that a lot of people think they have. This one gets a bit neglected. But it's a spiritual gift nonetheless. And the point of this story is not if we are faithfully following Jesus, we won't be busy serving him. We won't be busy doing many things. We won't get tired serving him. I mean, most of the great things being done in the world today, like making disciples and building hospitals and, 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 and raising kids, they're being done by tired people. A life of faithful Christian discipleships means that we will serve in many ways. We will be busy with many things. But Jesus' point is this. We should not allow these many good things to distract us from the main thing. We shouldn't allow serving Jesus and doing things for Jesus to distract us from knowing Jesus. I mean, if I was to summarize the point of the story, I would put it this way. I'll say doing things for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. Doing things for Jesus, good things, can never replace being with Jesus. 
You see, serving Jesus is right and good, but there's something even more important. It's to sit and to be with Jesus. And you know, this is actually reflected in our priorities as a church. We have three priorities, life in Jesus, life together, and life for others. Now, we put them in that order for a reason. Life in Jesus, our relationship to Jesus, is first and fundamental and most important. If we don't get that right, we won't effectively do life together and live our life for others. It all begins with life in Jesus. And what is true for us as a church should also be true for us individually. I mean, this should be our number one priority as Christians, to cultivate our relationship with Jesus. In fact, on Wednesday of this week, I preached at Afka Hawainan's funeral. Much-loved member of our church for many, many years. And I preached from Matthew chapter 22, because it perfectly summarized Afka's life, and it perfectly encapsulates what our lives should be about. See, Jesus in that chapter is asked the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment out of all the commandments that God has given to us? And what does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love for God, it should be our number one priority. And so I guess the question that we need to ask ourselves is, well, what about me? If I was to kind of look at my life right now, would I say that I'm making time to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to his words, to talk to him in prayer? Is that a priority for me? Have I chosen the one thing which truly matters? Or have I become distracted by the many things? Has busyness and banality drowned out God's voice in my life? Now, this is such a challenge for us. Because for so many of us, we lead such busy lives. We're busy at work. We're always connected via our devices, getting emails at all hours of the day. We're busy at home, raising kids, dropping them off at the 300 activities that they have during the week and keeping the house clean and and mowing the lawn. We're busy trying to stay on top of our health, eating right, exercising, working out, or even just going, traveling to medical appointments throughout the week. We're busy maintaining our relationships, trying to see our our family, trying to catch up with our friends. We're busy serving at church, and I haven't even said anything about hobbies and interests and those kinds of things. I mean, we lead such busy lives. Now, if we're honest, some of this is our own fault. Because some of us don't have a clear list of priorities. And so we just kind of jam our schedules full of stuff. We jam our kids' schedules full of stuff. And we say yes to things that we probably shouldn't. And if we're being really honest, sometimes we do it because we idolize busyness. We like to be busy because it makes us feel important. We think to be busy means to be important. And if we're being really, really honest, well, let's talk about TV and social media for a moment. Now, they're not wrong things inherently. They're not bad things. I watch TV. I have social media. But how much of our time do we give to watching TV, to scrolling on social media? You know that little thing on your phone that can tell you what apps you use? Don't do it. 
Or maybe do do it. I mean, are we being discipled by Jesus or are we being discipled by Netflix and Instagram? Now, again, these things are not wrong. None of those things that I mentioned are wrong. To work hard at your job, to raise your kids, to maintain your home, to to serve at church, to catch up with friends, they are all wonderful things. They are things that have been given to us by God to do and to do well. But not at the expense of our relationship with Jesus. Because doing things for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. And the truth is, there will always be more to do. You could add 10 hours to your day and it will just give you 10 more hours to be busy and to do things. No matter how busy our life may be, we cannot allow the many things to distract us from the main thing. Because the truth is, the main thing, our relationship with Jesus, it is the one thing that will never, ever be taken away from us. It is the one thing that we will never, ever lose. That's what Jesus says about Mary in verse 42. He says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, so many of the things that keep us busy in this life, they will eventually be taken away from us. I mean, work as hard as you want at your career, and you should. I mean, climb the ladder as high as you can go. But there is a day coming when you won't have that job anymore. You'll be replaced by someone else. Spend your time making as much money as you can. One day, you'll leave it all behind. Buy a big house and work hard to maintain it. One day, you'll eventually have to downsize and sell. Even raising your kids. There is a day coming when they will leave home and become independent. At least that's the goal. See, everything that keeps us so busy in this life, it will eventually be taken away from us. But the time that you spend on your relationship with Jesus, it is never wasted and it will never be taken away. Let me just put it as starkly as I can. To die with Jesus and nothing else is to have everything. To die without Jesus and to have everything else is to have nothing. And so what do we need to do? Well, we need to put first things first. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. We need to slow down and to sit at Jesus' feet. Now, the way that we do this, it's going to look different for all of us. I mean, some of us, we we might just need to get out of bed a little bit earlier. Or maybe go to bed a little bit earlier. Or maybe we need to listen to the Bible during our commute to work. Or maybe we need to meet up with a friend to to read the Bible together, to keep one another accountable. Or, Or maybe we need to start saying no to some things. Maybe watching less Netflix or or scrolling on our phone a little bit less or or deleting some apps. However it looks like, the important thing is to do it. To hear Jesus' word, to sit at his feet and to speak to him. In fact, apparently there is a statue in a, a town in Europe and this statue is in the center of town And it's particularly noteworthy because if you're standing directly in front of this statue, you cannot see the face of Jesus. His face must be cast downwards and and you can't see into it. 
And one day there was a traveler in town and he complained and said, I cannot see his face. And he was told, if you wish to see his face, you must kneel at his feet. And it's the same for us. If we want to see Jesus' face, we must kneel at his feet. Now, my fear is that you'll walk out of this place today and you'll think, okay, I need to read my Bible more and I need to pray more. And you'll add, you know, more activities to your schedules, more tasks to your to-do list, and you'll just end up busier and guiltier than before. But you see, sitting at Jesus' feet is about so much more than just ticking off an item on a to-do list. Because sitting at Jesus' feet, it's not mainly about what we do for Jesus, it's mainly about what Jesus wants to give to us. I mean, Jesus' invitation to all of us in Matthew chapter 11. Some of the greatest words ever spoken. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you might have walked in here today feeling heavy laden. Feeling the weight of some of these things that you're carrying. And Jesus' invitation is to come to him. To come to him. And bring nothing but yourself and your need. And your weakness. And he will receive you and give you rest. Because doing things for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the stillness of this moment, we want to confess where we have allowed the many things to distract us from the main thing. Lord, we want to turn to you today We want to respond to Jesus' invitation to come and to put ourselves in your hands. And Lord, where we have become anxious and troubled by many things, we ask that you would help us to slow down, to make room for the one thing that matters that will never be taken away from us. Help us to build practices into our life that help us to do this. And help us to do this, not just so that we might live less stressful lives, but so that we might love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. This is a life that is truly worth living. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.